in terms of um, you know the female reproductive system because people can genuinely just get really bad period pains it's I wonder how common it actually is for mm-hmm. people to be misdiagnosed or undiagnosed the mind gut connection podcast if you are looking to bring more joy positivity and fulfillment into your life then this is the podcast for you it is proven that what is happening in your gut will affect how your mind and body functions day to day and vice versa so while watching what you eat is important it is also vital to choose the right habits to nurture your mind and soul you will finish each episode feeling less alone and armed with powerful actions to bring into your daily routine for health and fulfillment In honor of Endometriosis Awareness Month in March, we will be speaking to Lara Ritson to speak about her journey with endometriosis, or endo for short. If that last name sounds familiar, it's because Lara's my older sister. So yes, we have both been on quite the roller coaster with our physical and mental health through the years. I'm happy to say though that we're both still here and ready to share our journeys in order to help others. Did you know that 1 in 10 women are affected by endometriosis during their reproductive years? That is such a high number. This is why we need to be raising awareness of the issue as well as educating one another on how endo can affect the body. Not only can endo cause a lot of pain, it can cause so many other symptoms as well as we will discuss later on. Through the Mind Gut Connection podcast, I will be bringing you guests who have all been on their own journey with their mental and physical health, offering different perspectives and tools to help guide your journey and reach your goals. We will finish by giving you three small yet powerful actions to take with you into your day. So, hello, Lara, welcome. Hello. Thank you for being on the podcast and doing this with me. Thanks for having me. Um, I know that when we started talking about endometriosis awareness month uh, last month in March, mm-hmm. um, this topic came up quite a lot. And as well as that, you've been on such a journey with this. Um, can you share share a bit about who you are, what you do, and yeah, your story with this? Sure. So yeah, uh, my name's Lara, and I. For most of my time, I run a holistic nanny agency that's based in the UK. I have a team worldwide um, that help parents and nannies connect who are both wanting to raise the next generation holistically with respect and with trust and using observation to see what they're really needing. And what is the other thing that you wanted me to say? Well, I mean, that's a great uh, indication. So basically, at the moment, what you're doing is you're running your own worldwide company. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and what about your past? I mean, what's your story been like with endo and how does it still affect you today? Right. Yeah. So endo has been a significant impactor on my health in my teen years uh, to a point where I couldn't actually function five to seven days of the of the month uh, and this would mean I would be lying in bed I would have these dizzy migraine headaches and every time I I uh, tried to, to swallow some painkillers I would throw them up again and I would have heavy heavy bleeding and uh, projectile vomiting everywhere um, and it was it took me I would say about a year um, before 
I really did anything about it. A year. Mm. And so this was when you were how old? I think I was 17. 17. Mm. So this is really interesting for me because I was 12 at the time and, and I didn't know how bad it was for you, which is why it's been really interesting to learn more about that experience. And and again, maybe that's, that's why uh, I'm asking all of these questions, like how was that for you and what was the experience like? Because, yeah, I, I don't remember it at all I was in a different <laughs> different world I'm just if any of the listeners are wondering why I'm asking these questions but um so it took about a year and then what happened what what caused you to take action on it so I was standing talking to a teacher trying to give back an award actually I was saying that I didn't deserve it which is a whole nother kettle of fish to unload um and I said, uh, excuse me, I just need to go to the toilet. And I literally ran to the bathroom and it was like a scene out of a movie. I pushed open the, the door to the cubicle and I projectile vomited all over the toilet and the walls and my wonderful uh, ankle length woolen, thick woolen skirt. And there was vomit absolutely everywhere. And it was at that point when I realised, okay, there's something quite wrong here and I need to do something about it. So I got our mum to pick, to pick me up and um, took me to the doctor and the doctor said, go see a gynaecologist. So I did and uh, within a minute he said, oh, you've got endometriosis. And I was like, wow, how do you know that? He's like, oh, I've, this, I've done this a while. And, and you're showing clear signs of endometriosis. Here's a pill. And uh, go on this and it will sort it all out. Um, it won't solve it. So, And at the time I was, I was in my last year of high school and I wanted to go travelling overseas. So he said, take the pill, stay on it for a year. And when you come back, we'll do the surgery. So I took the pill and immediately all of my symptoms disappeared. And just that's the oral contraceptive? Yeah, yeah. oral contraceptive pill gone um and then when i came back i had my operation and then a permanent contraceptive device called an iud was inserted at the same time and i haven't had a period in 11 years i think 11 or 12 years what was the operation that you got it's called a laparoscopy so they go in with two lasers shall i explain what endometriosis is endo is yeah yeah it's a good idea yeah <laughs> so um they go in with uh, first of all endo so endometriosis is when the endometrium which is the lining of the womb uh which is shed every month that comes out that some of the cells don't leave the body and they have a mind of their own and they wander around the body uh, doctors still can't still don't really know how this works um, but they jump outside of the uterus and attach themselves to different parts of the body in my case the endometrium uh, was attaching itself to the outside of my bowels and the outside of my ovaries um, and which was creating excruciating lower back pain so in my laparoscopy they they put the two lasers in, they put a camera and a light, so you have four scars 
and um, they go on a zapping mission and they basically zap off all of the endometriosis cells that are um, attached to your body. Um, the reason why they do this is because the cells are still alive when they attach themselves to you. So every month they still practice swelling up and swelling and, and de-swelling. <laughs> um, and so when they swell up, that's when they push against um, nerves and uh, do all kinds of weird things to your body. In my case, um, I had dizzy migraine headaches and I would throw up and have diarrhea and all the good stuff. So uh, yeah, that's uh, endo in, in a nutshell. Um, and so the laparoscopy zaps it all off, but it doesn't stop the body misbehaving. Um, so it's it will still so the endometrium lining will still do its thing and, and float away in the body and attach itself uh, to different parts sometimes sometimes it doesn't sometimes when a woman has a baby it stops the endometriosis from happening sometimes people will have a baby and then they get endometriosis so it's we don't really know why it happens but um, yeah that's a summary really hmm. And how do you find it affected you mentally, especially when you were first going through that? When I first went through it, I thought that that's what a period was. And I think this is the case for a lot of women who have endometriosis because the symptoms of endo are a lot like normal period symptoms. Uh, but they Like which ones? Uh, excruciating pain in the abdomen and back, um, diarrhea, nausea, uh, fatigue, extreme hormonal swings. Um, yeah, I would say those are the big ones. Hmm. So, as a as a woman, you read these symptoms and you're like, oh, okay, I, it's just this is normal. This is what a period is. Um, and, and for me, so that's why it took me so long to get help because I, it was only once I started talking to other people and realizing that periods don't last 10 days with eight days of heavy bleeding and, um, no one else is, uh, lying in bed in excruciating pain and projectile vomiting all over the toilets. And I was like, oh, okay, I really need to do something about this. Which I think as well, it kind of speaks to the fact that you need to be speaking about this in general, just yeah. to, to spread that awareness and say, this isn't normal. You should follow your instinct. If, if you feel like this is just more than it should be, then to follow that instinct. And I think, have you heard any stories of women going to the doctor and being misdiagnosed or saying there's nothing wrong with them? Have you heard that around your community at all? Um... To be honest with you, I don't know a lot of people who have endometriosis. Mm. And once I had my surgery and it was gone, I thought, okay, well, it's it's gone, cool. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. But I do know that uh, some people with endometriosis don't have any symptoms at all. So can it affect you in a negative way without symptoms? Is it doing any damage to your body? So potentially, and this happened with our great aunt, uh, she had endometriosis and she had no idea, but she couldn't have children. And so both her children are adopted. 
So that's one way where it doesn't show up in symptoms, but it can cause infertility. Mm. And if that was caught earlier, do you think she would have been able to have children? I don't, I don't know, and the doctors don't know. Mm. Uh, for example, my doctor said my chances of feeling pregnant decreased to 30%. What does that mean? You know? yeah. in, in my mind, I think it's uh, 50-50. I will get pregnant or I won't. Mm. So it's like on it's they're averaging averaging how quickly people can get pregnant across the entire world, but I think there's also other factors that decrease people's ability to ninety percent from an average, or maybe people can be a hundred and fifty percent more likely to get pregnant. It actually, mm. doesn't mean anything. Like, where mm. is that baseline coming from? Yeah, and I think that a lot of it is to is to do with how healthy you are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think the reason that I asked about being misdiagnosed is because it's so common in people with gut issues as well is that they can go to the doctor, have symptoms, and because there's so many, th- um, so many things that could be going on for you around your stomach area, it's it's kind of can be quite broad and quite vague when people go to the doctor and having stomach problems, and I think it's similar in terms of um, you know the female reproductive system because people can genuinely just get really bad period pains. It's, I wonder how common it actually is for people Mm. to be misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. It's probably, it's still quite new. Endometriosis as a thing has only been around for 20, 25 years, 20 Mm. to 30 years. Which kind of makes sense in terms of female reproductive health not being important for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100 years ago, uh, well, I've lost track of time, maybe 150 years ago now, um, if women were feeling... Uh, emotional it was called hysteria Mm. and the way to heal it was to give them an orgasm so the doctor would give a woman an orgasm and that would be her (laughs) she's fixed now Uh, so yeah it's it's uh, it's come a long way in the last 150 years yeah but we're still needing um, to dive more into that Mm, definitely and so at the time it kind of you, you thought everything was normal but then you figured out there was something wrong and now I've I've been around you I've been like older and more aware of what you're going mm-hmm. through and so I've noticed recently um, perhaps you felt some symptoms coming back and how has that affected you <sighs> physically and mentally yeah so it over the last 10 years or so since I had my operation it's been just bubbling along in the background occasionally I've noticed if I've eaten the wrong types of food generally it's when I eat red meat or have alcohol sugar or all three at the same time with gluten you know all of the inflammatory all the inflammatory foods yeah Yeah, if I had a good old night with all the inflammatory foods Mm. later that night or the following day I would have just excruciating stabbing pains that last for about well, you've seen them. They last for a few seconds, but it's so excruciating. I cannot do anything but pay attention to it, and it's decrippling. But because it's only a few seconds, I'm like, okay, well, that happened, and then I move on. Um, but in the last two or three months, um, some symptoms have come back that at first were unfamiliar, and then as I 
thought about it, I was like, oh, yes, this is actually a very familiar feeling. And it actually has gotten me quite down uh, when, when the symptoms have been there because I remember how disabling and how crippling having endo was back in the day and and as a teenager I was in high school so it wasn't it was okay like if I missed school um, but now I can't take a week out of every month of my life to just be in bed mm. and do nothing and um it's it's kind of like I'm I'm fli- I'm switching between being in denial like no it's not there it's not there and then <laughs> when that time of month comes about and then I get that dizzying headache and all my senses are overly sensitive to absolutely everything and um yeah that pain and the and the and the emotion is there it's it's felt really ah uh, I guess grounding is one word, but also panic and knowing that I really need to take extra care of my body in terms of eating the right foods, exercising, um, mindset, surrounding myself with the right people, supportive people. Yeah. Mm, So those kind of extra practices help quite significantly then. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, if I was in a in an environment where I'm in bed and I'm in pain and I I can't speak to anyone and someone comes up to me and says you know oh it's just your period you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not going to help my overall well being yeah. when I don't feel seen or heard with the pain that I have yeah and eating the right foods is an obvious thing um it affects our whole well-being when we eat the right food as listeners probably are aware (laughs) of that by now Mm. so with even so even if you are experiencing any kind of health problem that is not specifically related to the gut like Crohn's for example this is not a specific gut related uh, illness or anything but Mm. you find that anything that you put in your gut impacts the symptoms from that Um, other area of your body Mm. which I think is important to realize for people if they have any kind of inflammation even if they're getting like a headache headaches a lot or I don't know like any inflammation anywhere that the food that you put into that into that gut area is going to impact so much Mm. of your symptoms definitely and I think this is really important especially with this worldwide pandemic with COVID I think governments need (laughs) to see word yeah (laughs) The government governments need to, I think, in my opinion, need to encourage their citizens to eat healthy diets and exercise regularly. Just the basic, just to help people build that secure foundation to not get sick. Mm. And then even if somebody does get sick, to the for the first port of call to be, are you exercising and are you eating well? Yes. That I think would change would make a huge shift in the well-being of people Definitely. worldwide if, if that was the, the culture shift, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, and even looking back, you can look at um, a- ancient communities and stuff would always turn to more natural ways of healing. Um, well, obviously, they didn't have a huge <laughs> pharmaceutical industry like we have now, but mm. there is so much to that that 
we have lost in our culture, especially in the Western culture. Absolutely. And it's so, so real. It's so there. It's like it, all the information's right there with thousands and thousands of years of human life mm. documented. What do we do to heal certain things? Mm. Um, yeah. So that's a great point. Yeah. I, I actually, I studied anthropology. And Which is the study of human people. People, yeah. yeah. And one of my papers was medical anthropology. And uh, we, we looked at a case study of a group of English people who had severe eczema. And they would be given, I think it's cortisol cream. Um, every type of Western medicine you could think of and nothing was helping. And then they went to a, a Chinese medicinal healer. But they're not exact. They're not doctors, are they? No idea. Yeah, I don't know. Either. Yeah, I think healer is a good word to use. Healer, yeah. yeah. And the healer would uh, ask holistic questions like, "Where do you live? Um, what are you eating?" Da, da da da. And then for each patient, they would give them an an individualized medicine depending on the answers to their questions. Mm. And all of them, a hundred percent success. All of them, their eczema went away. Wow. That's quite powerful. And I think eczema as well is an inflammatory response yes. of your system. And, and inflammatory responses come from what you eat and your environment and stresses. So that's quite fitting, I think, mm. to do. So yeah, imagine imagine if you, you went to the doctor with you were getting headaches all the time and then they found out you don't drink enough water and it was as simple as that opposed to give to just drink eating painkillers mm. taking painkillers um so yeah i completely agree and before um all of that you mentioned that the people around you impact your well-being a lot when you're having any kind of pain um i know i can relate to that as well mm. If somebody listening to this knows someone with endometriosis or is someone with endometriosis, what can people do to support those living with endometriosis? Um, and what would you encourage someone else's, uh, other people to do to support the people if they're going through any endometriosis symptoms? Mm. Lower your expectations. Mm. If you are the one that has endometriosis, lower your expectations. Be kind to yourself. Be compassionate. And that, that goes for people who've got friends who have endometriosis. The same thing goes. Ask them what they need. How can they help? How can you help? Normally a really warm wheat bag is just delicious. When you've got endometriosis, mm. it gives that temporary relief. Um, yeah, feed them nutritious, healthy food. Offer them tea, just giving them that love and, and whatever it is that they need in that moment. Yeah, and I think that also speaks to people who have endometriosis. If maybe they're not feeling confident to ask for that help, that would be something that you'd want to work on to to see why that, that you feel un why is it that you feel uncomfortable asking for help and asking for what you need and working through that because it I know from my perspective, it's so powerful that once you're living with symptoms or pain, if you're ignoring it, but you're holding on to that pain, it can come out in really nasty behaviors in other ways. Mm. Um, as I've described in my journey, when I had that chronic pain, I was, well, you know, you were there. I was a crabby ass person. Mm. And when the pain was relieved, 
it's like my personality changed and it wasn't me. Mm. So if you are suffering from any kind of pain or any pain-related illness, just be sure that you are able to ask for what you need and take what you need from other people. Accept it. Accept mm. the help. Because I know sometimes people like to deal with things by themselves, but accept that help and know that, oh, I'm tired right now, I, I shouldn't be around people, or I just am really thirsty, I need a cup of tea, and then... Mm saying that because in general people really like to help as well and I think also accepting accepting the pain I found it really helped to say you know this is pain it's come to tell me something it's communicating to me that something's not quite right and then really closing my eyes and focusing on the pain and this is something that mum actually did with me when I was a teenager that really helped and I used it ever since then it's where you focus focus on the pain and you imagine what color is it what shape is it and as you focus on it and you breathe through it the color changes and the shape changes and until it's alleviated Mm. yeah i've heard that a lot too it's very powerful for Mm. pain and it makes you kind of wonder what pain is sometimes (laughs) where that even comes from um but then that's getting really much much beyond um some some way of pe- that people think as well it's it's that's a bit of a journey to figure all of that out so that was really interesting and i think that if if you know anyone with endometriosis or you have it or you suspect that you might have it definitely get it checked out um yes. if you know someone that has it then ask how you can support them and and show them that you care about what they're going through um, and if you are, yeah, if you if you ever encounter someone, especially people that you work with, I think that can be a common one to to not be able to know how to treat them and just to be treating treating them with a lot of compassion and kindness. Mm. It's never gonna get you anywhere to treat someone in pain with anything less than that because then you're just gonna make an enemy and <laughs> mm. it's not gonna be a fun time for anyone involved. So what would you say that? are three kind of actions that people can take away from this in their lives around this or even beyond three actions Mm. well if you suspect that you have endometriosis get it checked out i would say um especially for listeners in america where healthcare is is ridiculously expensive to look into alternatives i think that endometriosis is a is a behavior of the body because it's out of alignment somehow whether it's stress related or something that you're eating it's it's a symptom and so i've been recommended to go see an acupuncturist which i will do Mm. even though i am highly afraid of needles yes you are Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yes but i'm willing to to try new things to to um, really get to the bottom of that. So yes, I would I would look into alternative ways of healing it. And also, of course, being kind to yourself, compassion, take care of yourself, make sure you're exercising, eating the right foods. Yeah. Cool, so yeah, if you feel like you're having any symptoms, go get it checked out, that's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, explore alternative ways of 
healing yourself, and I think that goes for anyone who's suffering with anything, any symptoms, don't always go and do everything the GP says. Mm. And I know that they're there, they can help you, but think about how long medicinal healers have been around in, in human life. Mm. And just I just encourage you to think about it. Just bring your awareness to it. There and is a place for both. Yes. Like the pill, when the, when the gynecologist put mm. me on the pill, changed my life. Definitely. But it was just to uh, ignore it. It yeah. didn't mean that it wasn't there. Yes, and so that's another thing. Are you treating the symptoms or the cause? Mm. Yeah. Cool, and then that the third action was to... Be kind be to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be um, compassionate. Be compassionate. If you're having a, a crappy day health-wise or mentally, just mm. be kind to yourself. Lower expectations. Hmm. Lower expectations. Awesome. So how did that topic go for you? What was like that like to share with the audience around your journey? It's uh, something that um, I guess I have not really had, like I said before, I haven't really been interacting with it. Um, because it's been hush-hushed with my IUD. But mm. it's really come back to me in the last three months and just happened to be Endometriosis Awareness Month last month, which was great. Um, and then it made me realise... Yeah, flatmate got given cupcakes. Yes. <laughs> cupcakes for endometriosis. Um, so it made me realise how many people out there may not realise that they have it. And so I, I just feel like... I need to share this with the world so sharing my story so that people can connect and potentially help heal themselves mm. great and that's obviously not what you do full-time you you work with pe- you, you are you you are you you have peaceful learning your company um, and is that would that be the best way for people to get in touch maybe if they wanted to reach out and ask any questions and maybe they're feeling concerned yeah sure yeah so my email address is lara at peacefullearning.com awesome feel free to email me there it's my fastest way fastest way to get through to me yes definitely and i'll tag your instagram account in the post for this episode Um, and be sure to to engage in conversation if you're feeling like you've ever experienced something like this before in anything that we discussed today I encourage you to, to start a conversation be, uh, below the Instagram post that is for this episode and yeah let's let's talk about it I mean that's the main thing that we're doing here is, is talking about it mm. so be sure to um, tell anyone that y- you feel could benefit from this episode about this episode share this with them share your key takeaways and get in touch if you have any other questions my instagram is at chelsea ritson underscore nz i will see you there that's the best way to get in touch with me and be sure to check in for the future upcoming episodes we will be talking so much more about oh what have we got coming up female embodiment and so much more around confidence and and creating the life that you want so be sure to stick around um laura would you like to join me in our closing of five breaths together of course powerful right okay great and that's obviously not what you do full-time you you work
work with you, you are you are you you have peaceful learning your company um, and is that would that be the best way for people to get in touch maybe if they wanted to reach out and ask any questions and maybe they're feeling concerned yeah sure yeah so my email address is lara at way to get through yes definitely and i'll tag your instagram account in the post for this episode um, and be sure to to engage in conversation if you're feeling like you've ever experienced something like this before in anything that we discussed today i encourage you to, to start a conversation be, uh, below the instagram post that is for this episode and yeah let's let's talk about it i mean that's the main thing that we're doing here is is talking about it mm. So be sure to um, tell anyone that you feel could benefit from this episode, about this episode, share this with them, share your key takeaways and get in touch if you have any other questions. My Instagram is at ChelseaRitson underscore NZ. I will see you there. That's the best way to get in touch with me. And be sure to check in for the future upcoming episodes. We will be talking so much more about, oh, what have we got coming up? Female embodiment and so much more around confidence and and creating the life that you want. So be sure to stick around. Um, Laura, would you like to join me in our closing of Five Breaths Together? Of course.